Hello and welcome to another edition of the Engaged Podcast. I'm Jamie. I'm Simon. And today we are revisiting a long uh, uh, old episode that we did, oh, yonks ago. Uh, we are going to be doing another round of the Memory Alpha Random Page Game. Uh, this is an idea that we visited. Oh, well, it's weird, isn't it, Sir? Because technically we've done this twice before, haven't we? Yeah, well, one you've heard, one you haven't heard, or one you've heard bits of, and one you have actually yeah, heard. Which, yeah, because obviously the the one you haven't was from our lost files, and obviously the the one you did was which we did with Phil when we when we actually first started. It was one of our teaser trailer episodes, so that was about six years ago. Can't believe it's been that long. So we thought it'd be nice time to kind of revisit it because why not? Um, uh, we was actually meant to be joined by Clive today from some kind of Star Trek, but unfortunately he's unable to make it, um, which is a shame. But, you know, real life stuff, it, it happens and, you know, we understand. So it's just one of those things. But we definitely do plan to get Clive on again in the future at some point for another episode. So just wanted to kind of put that out there. He's still um, doing the um, pre-recorded Voyager anniversary episode, so, you know. Oh, what's that? Sorry, can you repeat that? So I, all I heard was, oh, you talk about, oh, Voyager, yeah. Yeah, he will be actually featuring later this year anyway with our, yes, that is correct. Uh, as I said, with our Voyager 25th anniversary episode, which I think is coming out in October. I think we pre-recorded that with, I think it must be, oh, it must be back in March or something like that, I think. So, yeah, he will technically will be featuring just in a pre-recorded, but yeah, that, he will technically will be later this year. Uh, so, um, without further ado, shall we get stuck inside? Yeah, I'm going in turn between my computer and the app because I have the most atrocious luck with this game. <laughs> listen back to, listen back in particular to, I think, one of our year, but I think it might have been our first one when we put the lost files. I think it was one of the ones that I chose. I, I distinctly remember... I want one something good, and then the next thing it just went. Oh no, I don't get that. No, not this. I just yeah, you just don't have the best luck, do you? So, <laughs> and and that interesting thing is, you know, you sometimes have played this by yourself over the years, haven't you? Now and again, you have done, and the same thing happens, doesn't it? Yeah, just really bad luck. I, I don't know what it is. It's very strange, but I think memory alpha's got some sort of vendetta against you. It's. <laughs> But it doesn't happen on the on my phone on that. So there you go. You might have better luck. We'll see. Uh, well, do you want to start us off then, Sai? So this round, I've done it on my phone, and I always prefer the phone because it's always much better, and it's a little bit um, rigged, let's say. So my first one that's come up is Changeling. Oh. And my god, there's a lot. There's biology, culture, history, mirror universe, people, and appendices. Uh, changing were liquid shape shifting life forms native to the gamma quadrant of the Milky Way galaxy. They were the creators and rulers of the Dominion, whose subject races knew them as semi mythical founders. Most changing exists as an amalgamated mass known as the Great Link. So, I've actually just got the page up that you've just actually. Uh, you've well, I said randomly got. It's a page we'll revisit in a few years when we did Dominion, so. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. 
Actually, I might have just bookmarked this page right now. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm just going to bookmark it. There we go. All done. Did you want to read any a bit more out or anything? No, everyone's familiar with them, so. Yeah. But it's it's no, it's a good it's a good link. As said, as you said, it's got about their culture, history. It's a good length of information, actually. And even as said, even links down the bottom to different people as well. So, I think for a first one, so I think that's a really good one. Right, let's see what I'm gonna get. Uh, random page. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> mine's a very, very short one. And a binary clone. Mine is. A binary clone was an organism created from the combination of DNA from two individuals. Essentially, a binary clone was the artificially produced offspring of two individuals that have been created without using germ cells. Um, the xenophobic group known as Terraprine created a binary clone from uh, Tucker and Tapal, intended to use this in- infant Elizabeth as a rallying point for their anti-alien beliefs. And that's obviously from a season four Enterprise episode, two-parter, te- uh, Demons and Terra Prime. And that is all there is. Literally, there's nothing else. Yeah, that, that's usually my luck. That's usually what I end up on. Something like that where it's like <laughs> nothing. So I think it's safe to say you have won this round, side definitely. I think changing it's interesting information but it's just not really much there so i think it's safe to say you've probably nabbed that up in terms of just more interesting and just more information uh um so what's your next one <laughs> yeah there we go this follows on so this one's from the computer and that's another one where it's got nothing on it Main stage flux chamber. The main flux chamber was a component used aboard Federation Constitution class starships during the late 23rd century, located on both the port and starboard side of the ships. These components need to be activated prior to the departure of the vessel from space moorings. Their use followed the activation of the ship's um, prestigious flux chambers, and that's from uh, Star Trek 2. And that's it. Wow. That's why I hate using the yeah. computer. Well, at least my last one had a picture. <laughs> well, that's so much. Uh, yeah. Well, I put it this way. I, I vaguely recall it might have been the one we did with Phil, even our very first one. Uh, I remember actually got things like just completely random things that were just something about where, was it weather or, or or different types of fungi or something. So I thought. So it might not be the best thing, but at least it's not so completely and utterly random. I, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, right, let's see what I get. All right. Let's click on the link. Okay. That's interesting. My one is the 15th of October. A list of events which occur on the 15th of October. So this is like not within the Star Trek universe, but about the show itself. So, 1924, Mark Leonard is born. Obviously, the one who played um, Sarek. Uh, you've got a list of other actors and actresses as well. Uh, 1968, second day of filming on Tier West of Whom Gods Destroy. Uh, Basically, t- events between 1924 uh, all the way up to 2017. 2017, yeah. So you've got a few things, like things that have aired, uh, 
filming that kind of stuff it's pretty um it's, it's kind of interesting seeing what different things on different years of well to be fair this does form the origins of those posts you see of kind of this was this was filmed on that day so yeah. that's quite cool and yeah so uh yeah that's that's kind of what i got so it's completely I say, well, I say it's, the whole point is meant to be random, but yeah, it's. So, so, would you say I won that one? I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's your next one then? You go back to your phone. I take it. Yeah. So right okay. to date now, I got Narek from Picard. Oh. Narek was a Romulan. Uh, was a male Romulan spy. He once claimed Narek was merely one of his names on another occasion that his true name was Harakanan. He had an old sister, Nerissa, who was also a Romulan operative. Nerissa was surgically altered to resemble a human for the purpose of infiltrating the Starfleet under the name Lieutenant Rizzo. After a failed attempt to capture Daj Asher alive, another attempt was orchestrated to go after her twin, Dr. Soji Asher. I could go on, but we kind of, again, you kind of know what happens and it will spoil Picard if you haven't seen it which I think some of you yeah, might not have done uh, how do you spell his name I tried to type it in but N-A-R-E-K Narek oh N-A-R-E-K yeah Narek oh, okay right. uh, no Oh, why has it done that? It's, it's done, come up with something else. Never mind. But yeah, I know who you mean. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty interesting. There's quite a lot of information about it, about him. As much as you expect for being on a season of a show. Hmm, fair enough. Right. Uh, let's see. My one. Just wait for my super slow computer. Oh, okay. Uh, mine is... Uh, Jaeger type. The Jaeger type was a type of Federation starship in use during the 2370s. The USS Jaeger participated in Operation Return and was part of the defence force that protected DS9 throughout the duration duration of the war. So again, I think one of those shots you can see throughout season six from Sacrifice Rangers. Jamie, exactly. Which... I did a post about it. Oh, yes, you did, didn't you? Yeah, of course. I did a post about it, so I know quite a lot about this one because it's a mixture yeah. of an Intrepid class and a Marquee Raider. Yeah. So, <laughs> maybe you should have got this one instead. <laughs> uh, so, yes, not a bad one, actually. Uh, yeah, you kind of already said that. Yeah, uh, it's a light cruiser, approximate crew of 204 on a top speed of warp 9.55. This class was equipped with phaser emitters, phaser cannons, and photon torpedoes. It's, it's a kit bash, so, fundamentally. Yeah. It's a kit bash. They just shoved anything they could together to create a fleet again after yeah. it got wiped out. Mm. Yeah, it's quite, I've, I say it's grown on me over the years. I think it's quite a cool little design, just kind yeah, of. Cause, yeah, because I, I, I think a few years back you weren't that fond of it, wasn't you? I remember you kind of signed a couple quite sure but sometimes things like that do grow on you don't they so but yes again it's not a bad one actually so what would you say for this one then who do you think's got this round the draw 
Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, right, what's... Are you going back to the computer again? Yeah. Who? Yeah. What's your one? Merrick Cobar. Merrick Cobar was a Bajoran who lived on Terranor during the Cardassian occupation of Bajor. In 2366, Merrick was arrested and placed in a holding cell. While in the holding cell, Merrick and two other Bajorans were informed by Odo that they were to be sentenced to the five years hard labour a following sentence confirmation trial. And that's from things past. It's, it, again, oh, that, okay. That, that's the thing with using a computer. You end up with these really short well, articles. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. My one. Uh... What the flipping heck? Oh my god! You're gonna love this. Guess what I've got? Sitting. Sitting was a position of being supported by one's buttocks. Chairs were designed to be sat upon. Borg did, generally did not sit, but they were capable of doing so. This from TNGI, Borg and Voyager of the Gift. It was customary to sit while eating. Both several of nine and each head preferred sitting. Standing to sit in due to being raised by Borg. Yeah, welcome to my world, Jamie. Yeah, that is that is even worse. I think that's got to be the uh, out of the three times we have now played this. That's got to be the world's worst one. Well, I'll say the worst one you've got. Probably not the worst one I've got, but you know. Really? Out of, out of everything, you don't think it's like the worst one overall? I'll no, tell you, some getting... of my ones are quite bad. Uh, well, things like weather patterns or fungi, I'll take over sitting any day, but, you know, fair enough. But then again, I can't remember all the ones you got, so maybe, but that is just horrendous. Yep, you've definitely got this one site by Miles. I love Next. the thing, I love the one under mine, where it's kind of, cool. you know one of those kind of notes? I love it. Merit Cobalt was played by Unknown Performer. Like, okay, great, what does that add? Oh, they don't even know who it's played by, but Here's there you go. Played it's, by it's, an unknown performer. It, it's a fact. It's a fact. It's like, all right, um, great. Well, obviously they obviously they couldn't find out, so that's what they put. So because I think if they just left it, then the people say, "Well, who played? Who was played by him then?" So they've got to put something, haven't they? But what's your next one then? Laurel. Laurel. Yeah. Oh. Laurel was a 23rd century Klingon warrior, a follower of Tukumov. She later led the Klingon Empire as head of the Klingon High Council, a position she first used to the end the Federation Klingon War of the mid-2050s. That's a lesson. Use the app. Yeah. yeah. You get decent ones. How do you spell her name? I'll send it to you in a minute. Alright, no worries. Uh, right, my next one. Uh... Oh, okay. Um, another very short one. What is it? Doing short ones. Um, the Agrat Agrat Mot Nebula. 
The Agratmot Nebula was an interstellar gas cloud located in the territory of the Bomar so- Sovereignty in the Delta Quadrant. The nebula was a key resource in the Bomar's trade negotiations with the Nasordin in 2374. As a result, the Bomar rejected a proposed route by USS Voyager through their space because it passed too closely to this nebula. Uh, it was only mentioned in the dialogue. Uh, the, uh, the actual name of the nebula, Agratmot, was named by Brian Fuller. He took inspiration for inventing the name from a book about angels, which he owned. So, yeah, that's literally it. Definitely better than the last one. Take a nebula over sitting any day. Yeah. But those articles exist. They're on Memory Alpha. Yes, they are indeed. So, what would you say for this one? Would you say you won that one? I think so, because I think Ariel yeah. makes up more of a more of the plot's discovery than that Nebula does in the like one appearance it has in Voyager. Yeah, that's like a footnote. That one. Do you know what? I think I might even try using my phone for one of these. <laughs> I might do it when it actually. I'll just. I want to see. I want to see if your your kind of theory is correct. What you're saying is better. So but that's why I'm doing a mix because I think if I if we just used our phones the whole time, it is too rigged. It's too perfect, which is why I'm yeah. doing a mix of the two. Because I think that using a computer kind of mar- mar- hits off the margins of greatness. Yeah. So you still get the occasional crap one, whereas on the phone you won't ever. That's why I'm doing it because I just thought that's the best. Um, Compromise, I thought. Yeah, Because exactly. I'm not having the crap times I've had before. I actually want to kind of have decent articles once, and I have done for this so far. So, okay, for this one, I'm back on the computer. And the page in question. Are you kidding me? Now we are back on form. <laughs> what you got? This, this is just. Typical Simon memory alpha time here. It's oh, just I'll send it to Jamie first and then I'll read it out because my god, it's short. Is it as bad as sitting, inside? It, it looks like it's a great article, but then you actually look into what it is. There's nada. Riviera. The Riviera was part of the French Mediterranean coast on Earth. The 20th century movie to catch these took place on the Riviera. And that's from the year of hell. That's it. Wow. That's it. Well, I might. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try one on my phone. I think this time. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, oh. Uh. There should be loads about the Riviera, but no, apparently not. No, it's just kind of it happened uh, once. Okay. What the hell? Is that right or not? Okay, I think I pressed the wrong button. Hang on a minute. Bloody hell, what's going on with this thing? So I think I pressed the wrong button. Uh, Let's try that. Uh, Ah, here we go, here we go. Uh, I didn't get much really, but hey. Uh, Decryption. Decryption was a process, process of making encrypted data legible again. It could be accomplished with a decryption sequence. Uh, Hoshi, uh, Hoshi um, 
on Enterprise was skilled at decryption. In 2151, an encrypted message was sent to the pole, which she decrypted. Wow. Uh, and 2374, Voyager received a badly damaged message from Starfleet Command. Janeway tried over 50 decryption algorithms on the message without luck, but managed to read the message after designing a new decryption algorithm in the hopes of dealing with a corrupted message from Starfleet. And that's from the Hope and Fear Season 4 finale. That's what I got. It's better than mine. Better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Still a short one, but at least it was better. Uh, what, what's your next one, Sai? It is an episode from. If it would load. Uh, is that. Oh, Picard. It's in Arcadia Part 2, so I think that is the finale of Picard. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Picard and his team are pitted against the Romulans and the synthetics of Coponicus in the final confrontation. Um. Again, that's another quite. Um, there you go. This is the last of the living Star Trek episodes that the title is derived from Latin. In this case, the phrase, even in Arcadia, there, there am I. And it kind of works into one of Jamie's favourite games, uh, Life is Strange, because in that game it's Arcadia Bay, and it's kind of the similar sort of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. The USS Zinghi Bridge is redress to the USS Discovery Bridge set from Sussex Discovery. Mm. Um, and obviously it's where Picard's um, mind gets transferred into the Golem. It's, it's that one. Everyone, you know what it is. Yeah. yeah. So that's quite a cool one. Mm. Uh, my, my one... Oh this, is, oh, this one's interesting. This is a person... Um, unfortunately passed away uh, a couple of years ago so um, Doug, Douglas Howard Grindstaff um, he was born 1931 passed away in 2018 age of 87 he was a sound effects editor and sound editor on the original C- on TOS he was nominated for an Emmy Award for individual achievements in film and sound editing for his work Grindstaff, along with Jack Finley and Joseph Sorokin, created all the background sounds and effects used throughout the series. This bit, I didn't actually I'm not sure if you did, but I thought this bit was really interesting. According to Bill Wistrom, uh, Grindstaff created the sound of the doors in Star Trek by squeaking with his tennis shoe. Um, I think that came up in our quiz at some point, with a version of that, I think. Yeah, Still, it's a, it probably did, but still, that's really, really interesting. So, and this is on my computer, so actually, this is actually a pretty decent one for a change. Uh, should we say a draw on that one? Mm, could do. Yeah? Well, yours was pretty interesting. I think nothing that one was as well. So, what's your next one, Si? Um... I don't know whether it's cool or not, but I don't know. List the credits. Uh, credits for Star Trek Into Darkness. It just like lists everyone that was involved in it, and I can tell you it's a very long list. Ah, uh, uh, I suppose it's quite cool in a way, but it's a bit, uh, I don't know really. <laughs> I'm not really quite sure what to say. <laughs> it, 
shows you that a lot of people worked on the film. So I suppose that 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 just shows you how much effort was put into it. I suppose. Um, my next one. I'm gonna go back to my phone because why not? Uh, right. Screen. Go right. My next one is oh, okay. Oh, this is one you would like. Uh, Nimitz class. The Nimitz class is a type of 23rd century Federation starship used during the 2250s. The USS Europa served as Admiral Allison's flagship during the opening conflict of the Federation Klingon War and the Battle of the Binary yeah, Star with the Klingons 2256. Yeah, this is from, yeah, with, from Star Trek Discovery. Um, Nim, Nim, Nimitz class starships are tractor beams. Um, God, I hope so. <laughs> this class was noted for being one of the small number of Federation classes that have more than two nacelles. There's a little bit more there, but it's not bad. You seem to be getting all the ship puns. Yeah, which is yeah interesting. <laughs> Uh, it's it's an okay design. It's not my not one of my favourites. Mm. It's just a bit bland because it's kind yeah. of like I can see a picture of it at the top here. It's it does look a bit yeah, but again, you know me. I'm not ships are not my thing, so ships are ship. <laughs> um, oh my god, there's a little bit more here. Uh... Okay. Uh, Nimitz class was identified via the Europa by designer John Eaves. Eaves also named the class, which was later confirmed after being revealed on Star Trek. Com. Uh, yeah, so it was it, basically it was named after World War Two fleet admiral Chester Nimitz. Apparently, that's that's where it comes from, which is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, would you say I won that one? I'd say so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Oh. oh, why did I do that? Bloody hell. Sorry. I stand in memory out from my phone. What's your, what's your next one, Si? Esri Dax. Um, ah. Thanks to my phone again. Um, Esri Dax was a joint trio on the ninth host of the Dax Symbiont. She served as counsel on board Deep Space Nine beginning in the 23rd. Uh, 2375, she was joined to Dax shortly after the death of its previous host, Jadzia, um, at the end of um, Season 6. Formerly um, Esri Teagan. Mm, that's right, yeah, played by Nicole DeBar. So, yeah, is there quite a lot of information there? A fair amount. Which is interesting. Go on. You kind of expect so with a main character. Oh yeah, but I mean, she's, even though she's only in it for a season, but yeah. So, do you want to read anything else out? Mm, no, because it's on my phone. Okay, right. Uh, so my next one, I'll be going back to the computer. Uh, oh. uh, damn it! There we go. Come on. Uh, right, my one is... Oh, okay. My one is the Star Trek 25th Anniversary Special. Uh, 
It was a television special that originally aired during the week of 28th September 1991. It was hosted by uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and featured interviews with Gene Roddenberry, DeForest Kelly, George Takai, John Tesh, Walter Koenig, Michelle Nichols, Ricardo Monteblanc and the fan club president Dan Madsen, among others. Uh, it was a 90-minute special. Um, uh, the show featured clips from TOS and TMG and so behind the scenes clips from Voyage Home Undiscovered Country LeVar Burn also gave a brief tour of NASA's space camp that is literally all I got for that one so yeah uh, interesting but I'd say you probably nabbed that one I'd say so I missed your call, something behind the scenes, but yes, I think character on the show, a lot more information, so I think if there was more info there, maybe, but it's very brief, it's like, like a few paragraphs, so. Um, next one. Oh, some guy I've never heard of. Uh, Bill Todman Jr. William S. Todman Jr. normally, f- no, um, normally credited as Bid. Bill Todman Jr. is a Hollywood producer and executive producer at Level 1 Entertainment. He also have been credited as an executive producer on 2009 Star Trek along with uh, the Level 1 partners Edward Milstein and Paul Shaquake. Yeah, Shaquake, Squack. So, yeah, Shaquake, something like that, yeah. But this is no longer the case since the company is kind of financing the film. Uh, comes from New York, son of game show producer Bill Torman, um, senior. Um, uh, don't know what else we should say, Jeremy. I, th- I think uh, we've also got it film star stuff. Yeah, I have this film. Do you mind? No. Uh, and this film starred uh, Enterprise guest actor Steen, Dean Stockwell. In an Academy Award-nominated role. Uh, afterwards, Tottenham, the executive producer, Steven Seagal, Steven Seagal Hatch from Heart to Kill. Uh, in '95, Tottenham became president of Morgan Productions, overseeing all of the company's films, including Two If by Sea, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and Major Lease Back in the Miners, which stars Scott Bakula. Um... He produced Wild Wild West after leaving Morgan Creek in 1998 and co-producer on X-Men as well, which uh, obviously we know started Patrick, Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh, so, yes, some interesting ones there. Um, my next one, uh, I think I'm back on my phone again, actually. So let's get this up. Just wait until load. What the... Flipping heck. Okay, this one's just like, yeah, no. Sector 21305. Sector Nemesis, 21- Nemesis, Jeremy? Um, no. Not that, no. It's, it, basically, it says here, Sector 21305 was a region of space. I think it's... Um, the Wounded. Yeah, for covering Cardassian plots as credited joins in the eyes of the Federation, the USS Enterprise D conducted a survey mission. No, it's in Ensign Row. It's down here. Nah. So, that's literally it. Yep, so, 
you won that by miles. So, and this is on my phone as well. So, you know, yeah, you won that one definitely. <laughs> it's not even a comp- not even a competition that one. Uh, what's your next one? <clears throat> I it's, it's odd on my phone. It's now come up with by any other name, original series. Ah, see, that's a good one. Extra aliens hijack the Enterprise and turn the crew into inert solids, leaving the four senior officers on their own to exploit their captors' weaknesses. So, I'm going to break a bit of the um, behind the scenes. We recorded our season review yesterday, and we were talking about relics. And there's a scene in there that comes; it's been lifted, yeah. is referenced in that episode. It's when Scotty's ordering a drink and Data hands him the green drink and goes, oh, you know, it's green. That comes from that episode where he does it on the, um, oh, what are they called? The speech. And- Andromedans, aren't they? They're like, because I think they're from the Andromeda Androm- galaxy, I think. Yeah, I think their species name begins with a K, I think, doesn't it? So it's quite cool that there's a bit of a ten- tentative link for what we've just done. Yeah. What's the species name from that? But I never name. I don't think it really says. Oh, uh, I swear it begins with a K. I don't K. I don't know why. Maybe I'm wrong. That's a pretty good one. Uh, my, <laughs> I've totally enough. My one. You literally just mentioned it from my last one. Star Trek Nemesis 2010 DVD. 2010 DVD release of Nemesis includes a series of new special features produced for its 2009 Blu-ray counterpart and a, digi- digi- uh, a digitally remastered version of the fi- uh, fi- uh, theatrical cut. However, in order to give the, the then-new Blu-ray disc format preferential treatment, as was common industry policy at the time, less special features are featured in the DVD variant. And it just gives a list of what the special features are. So... Yeah, I again, Si, I think you won that one. Oddly, I think that may be one of the first Star Trek things I bought on my own. Yeah. Oddly. Yeah, oddly, you seem to be... We've got our wires crossed. You seem to get everything that I probably would have liked, and I'm kind of getting everything you might have liked. I swear, yeah. I have got... I own that. And I say every time Nemesis comes up, I remember buying that. From the Smiths, uh, WH, uh, no, Woolworths in Lee. Oh my god, Woolworths, that's not, they closed down years ago, didn't they? But you see the slimline cover? I own mm. that. I could show you next time you come around and go, look, here it is. This is... So that's very strange that you've got that. It's strange, but yeah, it's... that's quite cool, but who wins in that one? I'm sure you're going to say me, aren't you? Because I've got an episode. Yeah, probably. But if you think I've won, then I'm not going to say no to that. So. <laughs> Do you want to call it a drawing? Because I think that's quite cool that you got something up. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll say a draw then. But it's so strange. Yeah. It's... It definitely didn't expect this to go like this tonight, but there you go. <clears throat> well, sure. Uh, what have you got now? Another random person. Oh, actually, you know, oh, that's quite cool. Craig Richard Nelson. Craig Richard Nelson is an actor who guest starred in the Star Trek Next Generation third episode, A Matter of Honor, 
a, a matter of perspective. Oh my god, I still still tired. Um, and later in Voyager in Living Witness. So for those out there, he played Inspector Crag and he played the Vescan Arbiter in Living Witness. So if you know him, you really know him. So that's quite a cool person to get um, coming up. So he starred in The Golden Girls, um, Alienation, Quantum Leap, Diagnosis Murder, Murder She Wrote, Ah. Home Improvements, um, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, which I saw recently, which is cool. Well, I've, I've actually watched quite a bit of Diagnosis Murder, so I'll probably have seen. I'm assuming it's probably like a guest star or something in the episode, so I, I might have even have seen them in that and just not realised it. But, but that's pretty cool. Uh, my next one is a person as well, actually. <laughs> Um, Jim Argenbright uh, is an actor who appears as a Romulan senator in Star Trek Nemesis. But as a background actor, he received no credit for his appearance. Argenbright had a featured part in the action drama The Perfect Storm uh, and appeared in episodes of The Shield and Unsolved Mysteries. That's literally all I've got. There's nothing else on him. So, so um, yeah, even though I think we've got both people, I think, I think, you've, I think you've got that one, Si. Your guys are a bit more of an extra than mine. Yeah. Hasn't yeah. been in the and business it, as long, because no. um, Craig Richard Nelson's 72, so... And this guy's only 56. So, but, you know, and he's been in stuff that I know of anyway, or at least heard of, so, yeah, it's, you've got that one. Uh... <laughs> it's not, I'm not laughing because it's silly, but I'm just laughing because it's, like, another world's largest topic you could possibly think, I think. Oh, no. Oh, you've got your, your one. Yes, that, yeah. Oh, God, that's going to be forever. What have you got? Back on my phone, I've got Trill. Oh, <laughs> one of our previous episodes that we only released, what, a month or two ago? Yeah, which kind of goes on a fair amount. Just um, really all bit out. You don't have to go to massive detail. The Trill or the Trills are a humanoid species native to the planet Trill. Who would have thought that? Small percentage of the trill population coexists with a <laughs> sentient cybernic, uh, cyber, oh symbiotic organism known as the symbiont inside their bodies. Resulting droid trills have personalities which were synthesized the two beings, including memories to, and to some extent the personalities of the previous hosts of the symbiont. And can I just remind you about four ago? I also got Isridax. You did. So it's strange. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you got them one off the other, and that would be really cool. Uh, let's see. My next one, which is back on the computer. Do, do, do. Uh, okay. Uh, mine is infant. <laughs> An infant or baby was a very young offspring of living beings such as a hu- such as humans, Vulcans, primates, Capellian power cats. Changelings refer to their infants as newly formed. Um, while the term fetus applied to a newborn baby, the term newborn or in some cases hatchling generally described the first days of a baby's life following Earth. Um, 
Contrary to this, the doctor stated that the fact that the unborn future Naomi Wildman was, was female, because half female, half Katerian, as a matter of fact, which should nearly double the infant's gestation period. Uh, Pan, Pandronians refer to their infants as egglings, and that's from TIS, so the animated series episode BEM or something. Oh, no. Sorry, I'm just clicking on something else. Okay. Uh, oh, okay, so from a TRS episode, that reference. Uh, a term newborn could be also used to refer to anything that was newly formed. So in 2285, Kirk referred to the Genesis planet as a newborn planet. Uh, in August of 2151, Travis Mayweather joked that the crew complement of 23 of the Y-class freighter ECS Fortunate would not count newborn babies. Would not count newborn babies. Yeah, uh, there's a few other bits here, but um, so yeah, but that's what I got. That just sounds a bit random. Yeah, again, I think what was your one? Again? Oh yeah, yours was a uh, true, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you won that one, so as well. Not having much luck this time round, am I? <laughs> Even with my phone. Oh dear. What's your next one then? You might hit it lucky this time. Cochrane Deceleration Manoeuvre. Um, which was a classic and well-known battle tactic in the 23rd century. In 2260s, Captain James C. Kirk used the Cochrane Deceleration Manoeuvre to defeat a Roman nestle near Tarasetti. Spock later used the information to quiz Captain Kirk and... Garth of Izar, who had utilised Selimorthosis to take on Kirk's form and efforts to enrich individuals, actually Captain Kirk, uh, from whom gods destroy from Season 3. Um, was possibly named after Zaphon Cochrane, however this is not definitively established on screen. Uh, um, what, uh, so you don't think much of your one then? Not particularly. Fair enough. I think, I, think, I think the last bit's quite interesting. No, I'm not sure if it's actually named after him or not, which I think is quite intriguing. Uh, my one's back on my phone uh, is another person, Lynn Ledgerwood. Uh, Lynn Ledgerwood is a special effects artist who is an employee of Illusion Arts Inc. and worked on DS9. Uh, Ledgerwood created the waterfall effect for a matte painting of Bajor first seen in uh, the episode Cardassians. Uh, Robert Stromberg commented the waterfall was animated by Lynn Ledgerwood who used a combination of salt and a very fine baking soda of a type that's used in fire hydrants to create the right look of it. We shot that element with a high speed camera and then superimposed it over the painted waterfall to make it look real. Ledgerwood worked on the films uh, like Age of Innocence, Cape Fear, The Born Identity, um, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, The Notebook and there's a few others there but yeah, so that's what I've got. I think she sounds more interesting. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. So, do you think I've got that one? I believe so. Yay, I won one! <laughs> you know what's going to happen now, don't you? The next one I'm going to get is an absolute stinker, isn't it? Uh, what's your next one? Are you back on your phone? Yeah. Right. One that I really like and I'm happy about. Oh. I don't really need to read much about it. It's the Entropy class, so Voyager's class. Uh, 
um, 9.975. You had an aero shuttle that you never saw because apparently Voyager left without having one. It was meant to go to a star base and get one fitted, but it never did. Um, there's one in Deep Space Nine, the Blerophon, in that episode that I can't pronounce what it's called because that's Latin. Oh, um, Inter Anum Silent Nagis, that one. That one, yeah. Yeah. Um, can land on a planet, has stupid impulse engines on the warp nacelles. <laughs> oh, has scaffolding in the holodeck. Oh, the holodeck's fine. Um, has a spare backup warp core. Oh, yes. That was only used once ever. Was it once it was used in Voyager? It was never used, but they, oh, um, they jettisoned it a couple of times. Yeah, I think the time I'm thinking is Tom and Balana, wasn't it? The early Day season of Honor. Four. Day of Honor, I think. That's it, yeah. Um... And it just told me there's now a new handbook out by Eagle Moss about it. Ah. And I'll so, tell you, um, Yeah, what else do we want to say? I still don't get why that ready room's so big. I really don't get that. <laughs> so, we've said this before. It's so you get all the volumes of the Prime Directive in there. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I just... It's to mirror the space in the conference lounge, but that's a conference lounge where you can fit a whole command crew, yet you give Janeway, like, how much room? And you can imagine it. You've got Captain Card on the flagship, and he's got this tiddy little ready room. It's like, huh? How does that work? <laughs> well, size isn't everything, is it? It's, I don't know. Um... Oh, bioneural circuitry that got sick there you go i i still love it can be disabled by a piece of cheese there you go, go. lead at its best make yeah. it a cheese and disable your nearest federation starship like really are you kidding me like but you do get marquee officers that can be marquee uh, who become starfleet officers and they can be reformed in that episode yeah in the space of two episodes and the Always forgiven and forgotten, and we won't talk about it ever again. Ever again. Well, yeah, that's episodic television for you. <laughs> Not that to say it's all bad, it does have its advantages, but yeah. Uh, my one, I'm not sure if you've got this one, Si, I don't know. My one, and this is actually on the computer, I might point out, a nice long one, and it's a ship as, uh, it's a ship as well. The USS Vengeance. Uh, um, Kelvin timeline. Uh, that would be correct. Yes. Big black one, right? Yep. Which no one can quite work out why the hell that thing existed, but you know, whatever. Yep. So USS Vengeance was a 21st century Federation dreadnought class starship operating in secret by Starfleet via Section 31. Yes, like it how- was a bit screwed though, because what did the the head of the Star- um, Starfleet do? Have a freaking model of it on his desk. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the secret where it was, eh, just round the corner from Earth. Was it Earth? Where was it placed? Jupiter. And all but Jupiter. Jupiter, because no one's going to look there. Not just, no. Just... No. 
Anyway, um, unlike other ships uh, operated by Starfleet, it was created specifically for combat and was completely unmarked with no registry number or normal catcher visible on the hull. It was commissioned. In 20... Yep, it was commissioned in twenty two fifty nine, uh, and it was the largest ship as of twenty two sixty three. It was the Firefire, largest op- ship operated by Starfleet. Uh, I'm going Could to be maintained treatment. by about four people because yeah. why not? Um, cutouts in the source section because we want it to look cool. Um, collided with um, oh damn it, I can't remove it. Um, Alcatraz, there you go. Collided with oh, Alcatraz and blew up half of San Francisco because why not? Why not? Um, the vengeance under normal circumstances would carry a very large crew complement up to 6,000, as you say, minimal crew. Uh, it was also equipped with additional technologically advanced features, including better shielding, more advanced transports, and enhanced warp capabilities. Um, it included a row of advanced phases and massive swivel mounted torpedo launchers that could be deployed from beneath the saucer section. It could also launch drones, which were in turn capable of launching several photon torpedoes before reaching and deliberately ramming their respective targets. Um, the Vengeance's phaser armament was extremely powerful. A focused barrage could penetrate the defensive shields of a standard starship, even at warp velocities, break the hull and damage critical systems, and thereby force the other ship from warp back into normal space. Um... Yeah, there's, there's there's other bits here that I could talk about, but uh, oh, hang on, uh, oh, hang on, uh, quantum. Uh, this is replicas and toys. Quantum Mechanics has, has announced plans to retail twelve and thirty-six long replicas of the ship in collector scale and artisan editions. Uh, yeah, they're a couple of thousand dollars, though, Jeremy. They're I imagine. Cheap. I imagine they probably would be. Yeah, Mattel released scale Hot Wheels six-inch replicas of the yeah, Vengeance uh, to retail in May twenty thirteen. Also you can include... buy, and they're quite cheap. And actually, people can buy them. I think I I have got that and the Enterprise. I bought, I bought them cheap. Oh, nice. They also include his premium sort of retail exclusive sets of the Into Darkness Blu-ray and Blu-ray 3D in September 2013. Uh, and smaller three-inch versions released in 2014. Uh, Hasbro released a Creo toy version of the ship, and Hallmark released a USS Vengeance Christmas ornament in 2014. Uh, and the official Starship's collection also released a replica as a special issue again in 2014. So, yeah, there's there's other stuff here as well, but it'd be too much to read out. Um, well, that one was interesting. I actually got a decent one this time on the computer and a lot of information. So what would you say about that one then, So, Who do you think's got that one? Uh, I'm just trying to find your one. Oh. Because I'm intrigued. Uh, I'm just... <laughs> I think me. <laughs> I think me. I'd personally. say it's a draw, personally, but you know. Yeah, it's me. So, come on, let's be honest. Come on, it's, it's a big ship, you know. It's got it's full to the teeth. It didn't make any sense, though. That is true, it didn't, but I don't I've got care. a whole entire class, a whole entire series. That's true. But I've got a big badass ship, so, you know. <laughs> yes, I know, logically, you do, but I don't care. The, the US Avengers is still cool. So, yeah. 
You're good luck with trying to say that to everyone, and guys really, really, Jamie. Yes, yeah. I don't. Well, I, I'm, I'm a, I do agree with the flaws of Into Darkness. Don't get me wrong. It's still a bloody badass ship, though. So, suicide draw then. I'd, I'd like to say so because it's a ship against a ship, and yeah. So, okay, can't, what's that? You can't draw, really then? choose between the two, and yes, that one's probably got big guns on it, but shove uh, Scotty on it, and that that thing doesn't <laughs> fire anything. Yeah. Um, and it well, got actually... blew, up, and it got blown up. Voyager didn't. It got home. Yeah, well, yeah, with no problems and unscathed in the most, yeah, because it got through completely unscathed. So re- it was so realistic, despite being in a Delta Quadrant, away from Starfleet, no help, and any number of hostile species. <laughs> I got you there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, the most top secret ship ever, where it's hidden from <laughs> Jupiter, <laughs> and there's a model in the ready room. Like, yes. Yeah, Brainy points that's... there for someone. Well, actually, yeah, because Voyager's like seven years it took. They were still unscathed literally the whole time. This is only like what, a few days probably in into darkness. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the most advanced ship, and it gets wiped out by like a torpedo, <laughs> right? You just imagine uh, it. We just finished it. Like last few bits shoved on there, and then gets blown up like three days later. It's like, what? Live long? Well, there you go. Just, never mind. Well, it's within a film side, to be fair. So you know, Voyager could have seven years, seven seasons could have bloody done some damage to the ship. There's bloody nothing. But you know, I mean, God, flipping. I mean, NXO one got flipping more damage in. Um, was it? Well, Asatori Prime and uh, like season three, damaged, didn't it? Jamie. Yeah, just damaged. I mean, damaged, yeah, and... damaged, damaged, yeah. In in one episode or two episodes, and then flipping Voyager did all of it seven years. I don't know why I'm making that point because the NXO one's got nothing to do with the USS Vengeance, but never mind. No, uh, anyway, it was made out of cardboard, but yes. <laughs> uh, the grand anyway. scheme of starships, the NXO one's made out of cardboard. If you compare it to any other ship that yeah. comes along, right? Because I used to play with it in um, Bridge Commander, and you put it against like a Galaxy class, and it's like you flew off like four photon torpedoes, and it's like, well, there you go. That just like I won't even move. Like, like I'd even <laughs> I'd play with things like that. I'd put like a billion NXO ones out against me. Put my shields down to do the most ludicrous things. Not move. Just press their firing like phasers and photon torpedoes. And then you end up with debris around you. It's like, well, it didn't take long. I've taken like 6% damage and I'm alright. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> well, but, okay. Uh... Well, we'll, call, we'll, we'll call this one a draw then. Um, should we do just a couple more each? Uh, we have been going for, I think, just under an hour. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll go up to 20, which is another four, which is kind of what I had in mind, roughly. Okay, yeah, go for it. So what's your next one, then? So, on the computer, as we now seem to be in the theme of Let's Doing Actors, Robert Mil- Milano, who is better known as uh, Frank... Charm Thomas, aka Frankie Eyes from Bada Bing Bada Bang. Oh, great, yeah. Uh, 
Um, it's not much about... Uh, there's plenty about him. Milano is a veteran character actor of numerous films and television series. One of his more notable film roles was mobster Sonny Red in 1907 drama Donnie Basco, co-starring um, Enterprise's guest actors Zach Grenner. Um, he made his film debut in 1973's Badge 373, playing an associate of a character played by Henry Darrow. The film also starred Tracy Walter. He followed his this with the role in 1976, The Money, starring two people I've never heard. Um, Kiss Me Goodbye, Vice Squad, Firestarter, Hollywood Vice Squad, Tracks. Quest of the Delta Knights, Silver, The Funeral, and Dungeons and Dragons in 2000. Uh, he appeared in TJ Hooker, uh, Fantasy Island, 18, Frasier, um, and a couple of TV movies, including 1995's A Death in California and El Diablo. Um, among acting teachers, Milano studied under Jeff Corey, who guest starred in the original series playing Placis in The Cloud Minders. And that's pretty much everything. I've kind of paraphrased an awful lot of it, but... That was good. Um, well, I think you've definitely got this one. Uh, in another edition of... Let's get enough of that, enough of that the Star Trek actors. Uh, I've got Robert Vernon Biggs. Uh, he was an actor who appeared as a post-atomic child spectator... In TNG, first season episode Encounter at Farpoint, but he received no credit for his appearance. He also appeared in 1991 comedy Under the Rainbow alongside fellow Star Trek alumni Patty Maloney, Jim Boeck, Beth Nufer, Joe Gibb, Susan Rosito, Felix Siller and Dennis Tracy. And in 1992, he was featured as a UR bad in the video production Little Marines 2. That's it. That's it, literally it. So you've got so, another extra... Yeah, so you've won that one, Si. Uh, I might have won this one as well. Oh, what's your next one? Something I think Phil would have absolutely loved. The USS Defiant. Oh, yeah, you've definitely... Yeah, I've just picked up my next one. What the flipping hell? Yeah, you've definitely won the next one as well. Go on. The USS Defiant was a 24th century Federation Defiant-class starship operated by Starfleet. This was a prototype of the class and the second Federation ship known to bear the name Defiant. Um, meant to fight the Borg, um, went and got um, assigned to Deep Space Nine to fight the Dominion. Uh, I think five decks. Um, quantum torpedoes. Um, pulse phasers. Uh, anything else you can think of, Jeremy? So I'm just reading it off the top of my head. Oh, sorry, I'm not... Oh, uh... God. It also uh, had a uh, Romulan cloaking device loaned by the Romulans to learn more about the Dominion. That was from The Search, wasn't it? Season 3. Opener. Yeah. Um... Uh, I don't really need to say much. Everyone knows what it is. Yeah, you, you, that's good, sir. Uh, you've won this one by like, like a billion football fields, like by miles. Just my one is Piers. Piers was a true symbiont. The Piers symbiont has been joined as of eight times as of twenty three sixty nine. 
Its first host was a young woman. Its eighth host was Celine Piers. That's from the DS9 episode Dax. Uh, who is Celine Piers, though? Who is this? Uh... Oh, he was a member. Oh, Minister of the Chalk Government. Oh, yeah, he appeared in the episode. Okay. So I've just got his second name. It's weird. It's like he's got his full name here. I don't know. It's weird. That's all I've got. That is it. I think that's a full conclusion. And I think yeah. you will probably get this round. Because going back on my computer, I've ended up with what the hell is that about. Um, one of those, you know what, we're right, a thread about it because we can. I've got Dictionary. <laughs> a dictionary was a book that Go contains on. the definitions of words and vocabulary in a language. One such book was Webster's 24th Century Dictionary, which dates to it and measure a man. In 2151, Hoshi Sasso compared the universe translator to Alien Dictionary when answering Chloe O'Shannon's question from Breaking Nice. In 2365, Sadden Akuna dismissed Data's understanding of what a joke was as being merely dictionary definition. That's outraged O'Connor. In 2374, while attempting to translate ancient Bajoran ideograms, Zedax asked Bajoran. Um, Benjamin Sisko's Ask Profits for a Dictionary next time we talk to them. And that's from The Reckoning, and that is it. Wow, wow. So how many more have we got to do now, so to get to 20? A uh, couple each. A couple each. So, okay, right, so this will be my penultimate one, yeah? No, no, two more after this. Okay. Uh, my next one, I, I definitely say I've got this one. Uh, mine is another person... Uh, this time it is uh, stunt double. Uh, Dwayne McGee is a semi-retired stunt performer and stunt coordinator who works as a stunt double for actor James Louise Watkins on this TNG first season episode, uh, Code of Honor. Um, he started his martial arts training in 1980 uh, in Ed Parker's West Los Angeles Kempo Karate Studio. Um, under Master Larry Tatum, when he needed a break in his stunt career and recover from injuries, um, he went to Auckland, New Zealand. Today, he is holding a six-stand belt and is president of the South Pacific Kempo Association because he founded. He's basically his own school, which is the South Pacific Kempo Association. Uh, he started his stunt career as a stunt actor in the early 1980s. He appeared in episodes of TV series such as The White Shadow, Louis Grant, Hill Street Blues. In 1985, he had a memorable role as a limo driver in the sport drama Rocky... Um, oh, dear. Rocky Four, I think. Yeah, Rocky Four. Um, first stunt work includes films such as... Oh, there's, there's a few here. I'll just list a few of them. Uh, Free for the Road, Back to the Beach, um, comedy sequel Cuddy Shack 2, uh, sci-fi film Alien Nations. Um, throughout his career, he's doubled actors such as Carl Weathers, O.J. Simpson, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, in the 90s, he performed stunts in films like Die Hard 2, um, comedy sequels The Naked Gun 2 and a Half, The Smell of Fear, um, uh, let's just see. Die Hard with uh, Vengeance, uh, the drama Close and Personal, Escape from LA, uh, American History X, uh, 
um, who actually starred with Avery Brooks and Jennifer Lien, and the sci-fi film The Matrix as well. Uh, I mean, there's other stuff here as well. Uh, in the 2000s, did things like Zoolander as well. He's done a lot. So there's, there's more here, but I've just given a brief summary of it. So, yeah, that's that's what i got. So basically films and stuff that we actually know, which is cool. So it's that to say I've won that one. I think so. And I'd yeah. say possibly the next couple. Uh, my penultimate one is the Curiosity Class, which comes from Discovery. And quite simply, the Curiosity Class was a Federation heavy cruiser operated by Starfleet during the late 24th century. And it comes from then is the beginning. And the only reason we know about this is the ship that uh, Rios used to... Um, um, he was a crew member of. Because it was a USS... Oh, that awful name, that horrible name, I can't say. I-B-N-M-A-J-I-D, that one. Oh, okay. I it's a, it's, like a, it's but... a footnote. It's the one he opens the box about. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what you've got, yeah? A footnote, yeah. Yeah, my... <laughs> I'm not sure my one's much better. Uh... Crew Locator. A crew locator was a piece of sensor technology used on starships to indicate starships to indicate the location of crew members and other people that passed by them. Crew locators could not show where people went once they passed by them. The US uh, the Enterprise D was equipped with crew locators and in twenty three sixty four they were used to indicate the location of fruit and antiquan and slave de- uh, delegates that were transported by the ship being transported by the ship. That's in TNG's episode only among us yeah that went well yeah and where they were more concerned about the captain's safety which is great because he's back but it's like oh you know wait a minute even though it's yeah, been like murder on board yeah we might have had a murder on the ship but don't worry <laughs> say hello to the captain again <laughs> what okay sure we're not gonna not concerned about that that that's it so i don't know what you want to say who won that one there was oddly more about yours than mine so, do you go with mine? Just about, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, right, so that that one was one. my. So that was my penultimate one, wasn't it? My ultimate final one, and my God, we're leaving on a bit of a disappointing note. The Frit Security Ministry. The Frit Security Ministry was the government department of Frit of Kesprit Three, charged with maintaining the security of their territory. Their duties seeking out. And capturing alleged spies as well as halting perceived threats to their government. In 2370, Larim was head of the security ministry. You might know all this because it's part of Attached. And there's nothing about it because they were very secretive. My God, there's nothing. Oh, God. Well, this is this is my last one, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah what have you got? Handy is the last of name of one of the children who appeared as school children in the TNG episode Hero Worship. Handy filmed the scenes on Thursday, the 24th of October 1991 on Paramount Stage 9. That's all I've got. Who? It cut out as you said who it was. Oh, bloody Skype, honestly. Um, Handy is the last name of one of the children who appeared as school child in TNG's fifth episode. Season episode Hero Worship. 
Handy filmed the scenes on the Thursday, the 24th of October, 1991, on Paramount Stage 9. So you got another extra? Yeah, but it's... Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, we both got last ones that were pretty much crap. And there we have it. <laughs> Did you want to do one more or not? Complete up to you, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Let's do one more. Let's see if we can end on a good note. We'll do one more each, and then we'll call it regardless. Yeah. Well, it will be forty-two random things you've not heard on Memory Alpha. Well, that's is that what you've got? No, because we've both we have done twenty-one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to do one more, one more each or not? I don't mind. But, I'm quite happy to, so I've got a decent one. Go on, what you got? Red Squad. Oh! Even though they're a bunch of idiots, but yes, it's, it's quite a cool one. Yeah, yeah, go on. Right, Red Squad or Cadet Training Squadron 47. Oh, not heard that number enough was an elite group of cadets at Southwick Academy. Red Squad members received special classes and advanced field training. In 2072, the program was a rel- relatively new idea. A group of Red Squadron cadets, including Riley Shepard, disabled the Global Power Group uh, Distribution Centre in Libsyn. Libsyn. Allowing Admiral Layton to launch his coup attempts. And that's from Homefront Paradise Lost. Then, for some reason, they got put in command of the USS Valiant and all got killed. Apart apart from one. Well, Um, yeah. yeah. Well, my last one is crap as well, but hey, there you go. Just my luck. The Away Mission of Balana Torres. The Away Mission of Balana Torres was a play written by playwright Kellis in 2376. This play, based on the logs of Bolano Torres, was about the adventures of the eternal Bolano Torres in an alien world after becoming stranded from her ship. Kelly's patrons were impressed by his efforts. That's from the Voyager episode news. That's all I've got. So you've won that one again. So I might, yeah. So, so this episode's <laughs> got uh, Kelly Weimer in it, which is cool. Yeah, true, but you still win that one. So, yeah, um... I think, that, I think ends... that was a lot. I think that was an awful lot fairer than previous shows we've done at this. Oh yeah, because I think it was more heavy centric of me winning, wasn't it? I think. Um, but I Whereas think I feel probably... like we equally got decent ones and we equally got crap ones. So I feel like it's yeah. I would quite happily play it again, doing something similar because I think it equalises it out a bit. Because my God, last times we've done these, I had no luck at all. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's 42 pages you didn't know existed on Memory Alpha for you guys. And... Yeah, and honestly, guys, feel free to have a go yourself. It is quite fun because you never know what you're going to get. But I would I... recommend using your phone more than the, inter- yeah. the computer. Or maybe just go between the two. You never know. You'll get a mixture of good and bad ones. So I think if we do decide to do another one of this, maybe in the future, if we ever do, but it won't be probably for a long while, I think we'll probably go by that method, won't we, Si? I think so. I liked it. It was 
bit of hard work, but yeah, it's yeah. I'm glad we've revisited it in a slot we've never used before. Yeah. But yeah, something just just to keep you occupied before a quite lengthy season review coming out because that will be what five hours worth. I think. Yeah, altogether, altogether. I was just split into two parts. Yeah, but altogether about five hours. Um. So yeah, this is a nice one to do. Um. Even though you know, so yeah, it's. I thought nice to do this one. So much shorter. <laughs> so you know, much shorter as well, isn't it? This one. So. Yeah. And then we'll be back with a couple more extra episodes during what will be our hiatus. And then we'll be back into our normal mainstream schedule. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. It's... All happening. I mean, obviously, yeah. So we'll be going back to our standard two a month. Obviously, in September, um, I have put in an extra episode. So you will be getting three episodes in September. Um, but yeah, after that, it'll be the standard just two episodes. And next year, who knows? We might do, we might slip in the occasional extra, extra episode, but it won't be, it won't be as, nowhere near as many as uh, this year. Obviously, the last, obviously, you know, very special circumstances, um, you know, uh, c- kind of, you know, compelled us to kind of do more, wasn't it, Si? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that, anyway, guys. Yeah, so that's, that's it. Um, hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you back in. I suppose we'll see you see you in August. I suppose, won't we? Yeah, we yeah, would say we, the review's coming out soon. Um, End of the then, month. Yeah, so you got that to look forward to, and yeah, interesting season. You, yeah, it's yeah, interesting season six. <laughs> yeah, you'll you can find out more when you uh, listen to when when our when our review comes out. But um, yeah, take care, guys, and uh, see you next time. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye.